Hi, everyone. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com, and you're listening to another DevOps Chat Podcast. Well, I have the pleasure today of being joined by Mark Smalley. Mark is lead editor of High Velocity IT, part of the IT, ITL4 uh, initiative. Mark, welcome. He's uh, also with uh, Smalley.IT, I believe a one-person firm. <laughs> welcome, Mark. Uh, would you please introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you and the kind of work that you do? Yeah, sure, Mitch. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Smalley.IT, I've been on my own for about eight years now. Previously, around 30 years at Capgemini and other mm -hmm. managed application service providers. So very, well, very much on the application side, very much on the service provision side. That's really my background. A um, bit of personal background, born in London, but have lived in the Netherlands, just outside Amsterdam for about 45 years now, which is uh, not a bad place to be. And one, oh, of, the, uh, one of the recent... Uh, yeah, now one of one of the recent um, uh, initiatives I was involved with was the the Axelos ITIL um, four update, uh, responsible for the emerge. I say deliberately the emergence of the high velocity IT module because it was quite an interesting process, pulling in knowledge from various areas in IT service management, but also agile DevOps and out of the IT space completely. Um, for instance, um, some people may have come across the, the Toyota way, the um, mm -hmm. management book about the Toyota manufacturing process. Um, Jeff, Professor Jeff Liker, uh, Michigan University, I, he kindly contributed a bit to the book about the, about the Toyota Kata, which is about an improvement uh, a method based on scientific thinking. So, so drew in, drew in um, people from various fields to try and get this thing off the ground. That's got to make it uh, really fun and engaging too. Why don't we start out with what do we mean by what's a good definition of high velocity IT? How would you, how would you give a kind of a working definition of that? Yeah, well, I'd f first qualify it by saying it's, uh, it's not actually high velocity IT, but it's more about higher velocity IT because high would imply that there's low and you say you know high is good low is bad well it's not the case we're on a gradient on a spectrum from lower to higher velocity we're looking at the kind of organizations that you'd say would be more digitally enabled than most so the kind of organizations that use technology to do things significantly differently or even do significantly different things because technology enables them to do that and that requires a different way of thinking, a different way of working than many people are used to. So the book's about different ways of thinking, different ways of working, uh, aimed primarily at people in the IT service management space who are now confronted with this digital stuff. How do we deal with that? And trying to get them, it's sort of a guided tour through the kind of things that you come across in these more highly dig digitally enabled organizations to encourage them to um, unlearn old ways of working that aren't effective anymore and integrate new ways of working, new approaches in how they do stuff. I think one of the really important and kind of fascinating parts of your work on this, Mark, is it's not just about the bubble of IT or the bubble of 
my part of my my role in IT is that high velocity for the whole organization and how you all work together. And I know it really, many places to start, but clearly product management, there's some outcome that we're doing all of this work for, some product or service or offering that we have. And and that's that's a great place to really engage in, in kind of a systems thinking about this. Yeah, very much so. It's uh, taking the end-to-end perspective. We've um, we defined five objectives to give us a bit of guidance in this in this space. Talking firstly about uh, valuable investments. Are you doing the right thing in the first place? Are you automating the right kind of uh, business processes? Are you building digital products and services that are appealing to the marketplace? Are you doing the right thing? Fast development. Are you doing it quickly? resilient operations once it's up and running is it resilient and deliberately using the word resilient rather than reliable because the kind of systems we're dealing with are often complex and therefore unpredictable in their nature they will fail Mm. you know these are not fail safe systems these are systems that should be safe to fail so it's about the resilience how quickly can you get the systems back up and running then the fourth objective is co-created value. Then again, you have that broader chain. It's when IT starts engaging uh, again with the user community in that intricate and even intimate dance that they do together. That's you know to 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 help the users derive value from the investment. And the fifth, finally, the fifth overarching or under, underlying objective is all of the above. Uh, assured conformance. It should uh, uh, um, you should be able to assure conformance to governance, risk, and compliance uh, requirements, whatever they are in your kind of organization. So it's only it's the what you know what you said the uh, the the big picture end to end. Very much makes sense. You know, it's interesting. Tell me if this this jives with with what you've experienced. Yeah, highly reliability, the best way to do it is don't change anything, right? Make it, make it very stable. But we live in a world where business needs to execute quickly, but also dynamically to react to changing market conditions, you know, pandemic being a great, great example of that, yeah, a tragic yeah, one, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, very much yeah, one that's outside of our control, but also, you know, offensive strategies to go after markets and, and that, and the degree that the whole chain, whole kind of supply chain of the organization working together can effectively do that quickly, reliably, but also resiliently so that, because you want to be able to experiment and try things and maybe you need to fail to find the right answer for product mix or whatever. So I'm sorry, go on too, too long, but it seems like that's an underlying driver behind all of why you took this approach, at least in part. Yeah, well, certainly if you look at the the um, the dominant thinking behind most of the guidance, there's something behind it. There's that concept of co-creation, realizing that you don't do stuff and chuck it over the wall. You have to engage with other stakeholders. One of the things, the other main thing is dealing with working with comp- in complex environments. Again, using that word complexity in the sense of complex adaptive systems, organizational systems, where you simply can't predict what's going to happen. And, and, and where you, because of the volatility, the unpredictability of stuff, you could say that's bad, but from a research and development perspective, you, you want to be able to, you know, 10, 10 initiatives will fail, but it's that 10th one that's going to make you millions. You've got to benefit from that unpre- unpredictability. 
Um, so it's it's really it's from from the from the start through the whole life cycle that you're you're dealing with the with the unpredictability, which for for many people in IT service management is a bit a bit disconcerting, because if you go back go way back, you'll and you look at look at where people came from. Uh, IT service management people were very much concerned with the stability of systems and putting a wall around them with the best of intentions, with the, with the, the, the belief system, um, safe is good. Whereas the developers had a, had a different perspective, fast is good. So you've got this fast versus safe. And seemingly, seemingly uh, irresolvable, that conflict. But if you, if you look at it creatively, as, and this is something that we've, we've got a lot to, um, uh, to credit the DevOps community for, and I, we reference extensively stuff that's gone on, gone on in the DevOps world in the High Velocity IT book. Um, the idea that if you, and it goes back to lean as well, lean, lean in particular, agile a little, little bit, working mm -hmm. with small batches of work. If you do small, if you do work in small batches more frequently, then you reduce the risk, you know, usually smaller changes and less risk in bigger changes. And, the interesting thing come, comes along now, if you do changes more frequently, instead of saving them up for, for each, you know, masses of changes each quarter, it, it, do them every day, then you develop your, uh, your capability to change effectively. So paradox, paradoxically, you've turned it around completely. The more often you change, small changes, the, the better your change capability and therefore, the the more confident you can be that the say that the changes will go go through pretty safely. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 interesting these um, the the groups that have to interact together. Like if you've got a DevOps group or a classic IT service management group, they identify with with their own belief system. And often the belief system is you know good is fast, safe is fast. Uh, sorry, safe is uh, is good as opposed to fast is good. And how do you, you know, you've got to get these people together and talk about, um, talk about this, this stuff to resolve the, uh, the apparent conflict. But it's, it's, great, uh, it's great stuff trying to build bridges between these communities. Yeah, I'm totally with you and thinking the sort of lean mindset and agile and iterative, which is very much where software in our product and organizations have moved to or are moving there. What, what are the, how do you deal with some of the legacy uh, silos and, you know, so, sort of that self-protection of don't change things or don't, you know, let's focus on keeping things stable or whatever the mantra of those individual groups are. How can, how can this book, for example, this module help people start to expand their thinking around those issues? Yeah, well, f firstly, if you look at organizations, it, they will vary in velocity uh, across the various divisions and departments. So firstly, you've got to take a look at uh, which part of the organization are we looking at? What is the appropriate velocity in the business there? What kind of cadence applies to their work? Um, interesting looking at the pharma industry that's traditionally been highly regulated with, with very long uh, periods in which they work. There's no, no point speeding things up if you have to wait years before you move to the next stage. It's like doing the Olympic Games. If it's, you, you, don't want the, you don't want the stadium there earlier, there's no point. So it's got to be very much in, in, in line with the, aligned with the, the, the business philosophy. So look at 
look at the, the specific parts of, of the business and depending on, on the kind of speed and possibly you're dealing with legacy systems that don't need to go that much quicker. And what the, the advice we like to give in the guidance is we, we first couple of statements, the guidance is not complete and the guidance is not intended to be prescriptive. We don't pretend to be able to dictate prescribe how people should act. Rather, we're trying to encourage them to take a look at the, the nine concepts and models that we've, we've adopted, the 25 techniques, to see which techniques do you think would apply to you. So be selective, pick and mix, take a few things out, experiment with them, see if it works in your in your environment, because it, it this is uh, going back to lean. We mentioned you mentioned lean, going back to the lean uh, movement. You'll probably know many of our, our listeners, audience will know that um, uh, that the Toyota pro production system was the precursor to the lean movement. And one of the one of the grand grand figures in the in the TPS to Toyota production system was Taichi Ono who came up some, with some wonderful sayings, one of which is um, you should think for yourself and face your own difficulties. Don't try to borrow wisdom. So in other words, how, how another organization has done something, that's not going to work for you. You have a different kind of organization. So you really do have to, have to dig deep and look at the specifics of your situation and, and pick the various parts that you think apply to you and just experiment, see whether they work. So it's a, really more it's of an adaptive approach versus prescriptive, right? It has to be done a certain way because one organization succeeded at it that way. Yeah, no. And it's very, of course, very, very, very tempting. Um, but people are looking for the quick fix. There's a fabulous cartoon. If anybody wants to look up a great cartoon, if, if you look up, um, 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 simple but wrong, complex but right. It comes up with a great cartoon. You see people following, and this is this is a, a sign pointing in two directions. And people, the the, the masses are following the the sign, simple but wrong, because they're looking for a quick fix. Hmm. And what what better than looking at at how another organization's done stuff? I say, you know, let's do that. It's not not a good idea usually. So you do you do have to be very very critical, very very selective. Well, these are systemic changes. They're not you know quick fixes or just change this one thing of how you're working and suddenly you'll get different results. And one of those is we think about specialties or specialization of of what we do, but we're also now thinking it's specialty roles, but it's also how those things work across the life cycle development, operations, product teams. So individuals and teams' abilities to work cross-functionally is a much higher order skill than maybe we valued, you know, in the past. Yeah, look at the, I think we can, we can, again, I credited the DevOps community for something, but look at the Agile community, how the concept of multifunctional, cross-functional product teams have emerged, where you've got uh, you could business analyst disciplines, development disciplines, testing disciplines, all working together. Um, it's interesting to think about the definition of done that they often apply as a concept that you come across in Agile and Scrum. You know, when are we done? What, it often in the scrum world it ends with a potentially deployable increment of software 
potentially deployable. The key word is potentially. It hasn't been deployed yet. So, you, so it's just ask, it's asking for an extension of that of that domain of the of the team to not stop when it's deployable, but to actually deploy it. So start involving the DevOps kind of uh, competencies as well. Then you could extend it further to the service area because product owners should be aware that the kind of product that they're building, uh, that needs to be accessed by people and service is the vehicle that gives users access to your product. You, know, you build a great software product, but it's only, only through the vehicle of, of service that people get to it. And is the product owner, is the product team looking as much as at service as they should be? And I think that's that's often not the case. And I'd, I'd certainly like to, in the, in the role of bridge builder, like to encourage product teams to take a closer look at service and think about the kind of characteristics, the service experience as well that they expect their users to have. So you can see a substrate, a service substrate Going through all of the life cycle, really, along uh, alongside the the the, uh, the the software and infrastructure artifacts. I'm curious. You mentioned uh, design earlier. Maybe this is what you're referring to. I'm curious if design thinking or, or the design approach um, is something that also influenced your work on this module. The the idea that you're really the outcome isn't the car. The outcome is the experience that the customer, the user of that vehicle has yeah. and expects, you know, from whatever the product is that you're creating. Did that influence this, this work too? Yeah. Two, two things there. Design thinking we've, um, we've referenced more at the, at the, the, the start of the process, thinking about the kind of specifications requirements that people have, but towards the end, thinking about the service experience, and you'll you'll be familiar with the concept of service level agreements, which are often um, unfortunately formulated. Term we, we to, to talk in in terms of availability and performance and security and stuff like that, all very technical. But how do the users feel about this? You know, and we we are slowly we're slowly extending that domain service level agreements to include experience level agreements looking at outcome and how people feel about their engagement with either the technology or the people behind the technology. So that's, um, th again, that's that human co-creational dimension that you, you see in high velocity IT alongside the, uh, the technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the SRE world, I don't know if we've talked about that, but uh, has this idea of service level objectives, which is a little less formal and restrictive as what we think of contractual SLAs of each team really, you know, defining what, what they're trying to strive for, for the, the service that they're trying to deliver and the experience that, that people have. So another area, SRE is a great. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's in there as well. SRE is certainly something that's, uh, that significantly contributes to more resilient operations. Mm -hmm. um, just like chaos engineering, another of the techniques that we reference. But speaking about um, about uh, agreements, certainly you should measure stuff. Would you? If, but you, you know, you, you know, the trouble is when you once you put something into an agreement between two parties, people start to game the system. Things. It's. I think it's Hawthorne's law. As, long, as, as soon as you you make something explicit, intrinsic motivation evaporates. And that's the that's a yet you do have to agree something with other parties. So it's it's really it's a delicate balance. You know what's what's going to work in this situation, 
Um, also looking at the, the relationship that you have with your customers and other stakeholders. So assessing what kind of relationship, what kind of um, agreements and measurements are appropriate for each particular situation. I was thinking about two when you men mentioned resiliency and, and previously you were talking about sort of the iter of nature doing work on much smaller increments. It seems that that also gives uh, more flexibility for change. Uh, so that you may have a feature turned into a story that might be delivered over, um, you know, multiple iterations in a in a agile process, and somewhere in that process you may have part of it released, but you may move on to other things or shift what you're actually doing. So it's a way of dealing with some of the the dynamic, uh, changing needs of the business. Yeah, it's um, we we reference um, Ford. Sort of characteristics of the approaches that you'll find in these court kind of organizations. We reference lean, agile, uh, resilient, but also continuous. And I think that, that fits into this category. You know, things, things are changing all the time. So it's, it's, it's interesting when, when you've got these traditional discussions between business people and IT people. You get IT people almost blaming business people for the fact that the world has changed. So it's it's the it's the kind of the, the the core values that you have, the belief system you have. If you have the belief system that things are changing all the time, and that's just part of life, that's a given, then you you don't resist as much. We're certainly trying to encourage people to embrace the um, and enable change as well. We used to talk about change management, change control, which seems to be a bit a bit defensive. We're now it's, it's it's just language, but if, even even then, we like to talk about change enablement. How can you get changes done as quickly as safely as possible? Very interesting. Yeah, words do matter. Uh, what what's what's the state of the community, the the idle community, and in, in the adoption of some of the principles around lean and agile and DevOps and and SRE and is, is this are most folks starting to become you know aware of or are they educating are they practicing where would you say we are in this journey yeah i forget who said it, it but some, somebody said the future's already here it's not just evenly distributed <laughs> yes. yeah so, so yeah, it's stephen hawkins or somebody yeah, well, yeah that's right yeah. yeah um he um you know some people are doing it they Pleased to see on LinkedIn uh, a or Twitter a response from an organization in the UK that, that says this high-velocity ICT stuff, this reflects the things that we are doing. This is a guy on, on the, um, the, 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 the on the joint the, uh, where DevOps and IT service management come together. That's his, that's his area of work. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll depend on the... Um, the kind of kind of products and services that people that organizations provide are they are they digitally enabled how digitally enabled are they so it, it is it is very diverse um, lots of people for whom this is uh, all pretty new one of the things we one of the objectives we have for the book is to familiarize people who are, who know the old way of working you know working in silos that kind of stuff and, uh, and get them used to, make them more confident, um, confident to engage in dis discussions with their, with their DevOps, with their SRE colleagues about digital to get the, get the conversation going. 
It seems like that's very important because as things evolve, new things come into the picture, DevOps, et cetera, SRE. It's really easy to be sort of overwhelmed of, now what's that and how is that different and why should I care or does it apply to me? So it seems that maybe taking that approach in this module of trying to bring that together from an idle perspective, from an operational perspective, makes maybe those topics a little more approachable, a little easier to consume and understand. Yeah, and the the one of the one of the things we advise people is to look at the five objectives that I mentioned from 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 valuable investments to a short assured conformance and and discover, identify where their weakest link is in the organization or in their part of the organization. Because if you look at the theory of constraints and another body of knowledge that we reference, mm-hmm. you should always always be working on the weakest link. So that that helps you to focus on on a on a particular part don't be overwhelmed you can't do all of this you wouldn't want to do all of this at once pick your weakest link pick something that seems seems feasible that you can you know i could make an improvement there and very much in the um in the sentiment of continual improvement uh because one of the devops tenets the third the third way of devops is is con- continuous improve learning and improving all all the time um, little steps that's the. I think that's that's the way we'd like to encourage people to go. Take uh, just take it take it step by step because after each step, you refer to the systemic nature of this kind of stuff. After each step, you've changed the system, mm-hmm. so you've got to look around, see what's changed, and then then plan the next step. So moving from what I call um, confirmatory ways of working in in the high velocity IT books, you know, when you've got predetermined plans and deadlines and milestones, because you can more or less predict what's going to happen. You confirm that during execution, you confirm that what what you predicted and then plan happened. So move, and we're used to that in IT service management, predetermined process. So moving from confirmatory ways of working to more exploratory ways of working where you take things step by step, that's that evolutionary. As um, Dave Snowden, who some people will know from the Kinefin framework, says, Dave, was, Dave, Dave authored a great piece about ethics for the book, by the way, but his, his core area is, uh, he's known from his, from his complexity work. He says, you've got to move to the adjacent possible in an organization. So, so feel where the disposition of, of the organization is, in which direction are they moving naturally, and try and give them a nudge in that direction, zigzagging towards, you know, whatever you want to achieve. But that more, that more again, that's that working with, with in complex environments, reflecting the, uh, res- and re- respecting the, the, the unpredictable nature of the, uh, of the world we work in. You know, we're kind of borrowing from a lot of disciplines talking about this and one that comes to mind, I believe it's quantum mechanics that just observing something changes. That's it. Yeah, Heisen- the yeah, the Heisen- so, Heisenberg principle. Heisenberg yeah. principle. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, shine, shine a light on it, and you know it's, it's it's moved. You can either detect the detect detect the velocity or the or the position, but not not both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, this has been really fascinating. I think Schrodinger's cat came into it as well, didn't it? <laughs> Very good. Well, yeah. um, you know, I think what's, what's fascinating about your work and, and the contributors' work on this is I venture to guess there wasn't a lot of discussion about 
tools and technologies because you're really thinking about the how of how we do work, how we work together, how this leads to the creation of software towards some a co-created outcome. Uh, it's very much the people dimension as well. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you, you see that uh, just just talk. I mentioned ethics, for instance. Ethics. People people want to do the right thing. That's an aspiration that people have. They want to want to trust and be trusted in the workplace. Psychological safety. I'm delighted that our industry is talking about this kind of stuff more often. Talking about things like. Um, I remember at a conference, you know, the good old days when we actually went to conferences, conference in, I think it was New Zealand, in Wellington, where somebody was talking about social anxiety hmm. as, a, as a rather introvert um, engineer. And it, it's great because, you know, people empathize with that. And it's, it's great, trust and be trusted, fostering an environment where people can can feel free to express themselves without fear for their position or reputation. If you build that kind of a foundation in your organization, you know, all the, all the tools will fit into place. It's about giving, giving people the confidence to, uh, um, and, and the privilege, possibly a final thought, people just don't work in IT. Well, some people say, it, you know, but I, I'm, I'm, Sure, some people people don't just work in IT. They have the privilege of contributing to the well-being and prosperity of digital service consumers, right down at the end of the chain. And that's that. I find that inspirational. Thinking, you know, not but not just what happens in my silo, but at the end of the chain, you help you're changing somebody's world. And that's that's the the, the kind of um, that's, what, that's why I like to say about this book. It's uh, is guidance that matters for people like us. Who care? Mm -hmm. It's definitely inspiring to know that you're helping people, right, in the work that they do. So, Mark Smalley, it's been fascinating talking with you. Um, I applaud you on the approach you took on this. A lot of great uh, concept that you've incorporated in the high velocity IT module. And, and I hope folks will check it out uh, because I think there's some super valuable things. Again, Changing the system is just by first observing it. And I think just reading the module, checking out parts of it would be a step in that direction. So appreciate your contribution. It's great been talking with you today. My pleasure, Mitch. Thank you very much indeed. You've listened to another DevOps Chat podcast. This is Mitch Ashley thanking everyone for joining us today. Be safe, be careful out there. <laughs>